It's lovely to be here, and it's lovely to be back, and it's lovely to sit under Brother David. I've never heard David before, and uh, that word that he brought to us from the Word of God has been not only a blessing, but it has been a challenge. I'm often... People say to me, going out through the door, that, that was a good word. Wait till I tell you, it's only a good word when it affects your life. It's only a good word when it touches your life. And it's only a good word when you apply that to the life. Well, I want you to turn with me this afternoon to Luke's Gospel. And we're turning to Luke's Gospel, chapter number 15. Luke's Gospel, chapter number 15. Now, for those of us this, uh, this afternoon that, that uh, you'll know that, we're, that this is a very familiar chapter. It's a chapter where the Lord Jesus Christ brings three wonderful parables. The parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost silver, the parable of the lost son. I'm only going to read just two verses. From this chapter, and I want you to come with me, please, to verse number 8. The Lord Jesus is speaking, and He says, Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle, and sweep the house, and seek diligently till she find it? And when she hath found it, She calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Ending there, and we know that the Lord will bless those two verses to our hearts this evening. It was springtime in the year of 1938, a young boy in his mid-teens was standing in a schoolroom that was attached to Mariah, to Mariah Chapel in a small mining village in Wales. And as he stood in that room that day, this middle-aged teenager felt this sense of awe and wonder come over his heart and his soul and his mind. He was there with a number of other people, but This young man, as he stood there, felt this deep sense of awe. And as he stood there, the host or his guide explained that in this very room, this is where the first outpouring of God the Holy Spirit took place that brought forth the great Welsh revival in in the year of 1904. And as the host or the guide who is explaining the whole events, himself a convert of the 1904 revival, explained and told story after story as to what the revival brought, what God did back in those days. He was able to tell of how men deep down in the very mines, at the very coal face, came under a conviction of sin and broke down and gave their lives to Christ. 
and all the different stories of how God moved. The young man stood there, and as the host and as the guide was telling story after story of of great conversions, how men's hearts were, were melted and broken under the power of God and conviction of sin, and lives transformed. He stood there and he, he just said, Lord, what happened back in the year of 1904 cannot ha- not happen today, Lord. Can it not happen again? And as he stood, and as he thought about all that happened, and as he stood in this place where it all began, you know a question burned within his heart. When the host and all the rest of the people left that room, he cried out to God this, this prayer. Oh God, what has the church lost that it once possessed? That was his prayer. Oh God, what has the church lost that it once possessed? And I wonder this afternoon, I wonder how you would answer that question. What has the church lost that it once possessed? Maybe you would say to me, the church has lost its passion for prayer. If you said to me, well, I believe the church has lost its passion for prayer, well, I believe you're right, but that's not the top answer. Maybe you would say to me, I'll tell you what the church has lost. The church has lost its burden for the lost. You know, and it's true, the church has lost its burden for the lost. And some of you do know that I do go around the country taking many missions as well. And sometimes I think I'm wasting my time. Sometimes I think churches are just having missions to entertain the Christians. But you know, how the church has not only lost the passion for prayer and the burden for souls, I believe the church also, maybe you would say to me, I believe also the church has lost, has lost its vision. I'll tell you what the church has lost today that it once possessed. And I believe that if it, has, if it possesses this today, there would be a passion for prayer. And there would be a burden for souls. There would be a vision. Do you know what the church has lost? The church of Jesus Christ has lost its fear of God. That's what it's lost. What the church needs today is for the fear of God to fall upon her. 
And if there was a fear of God, I'll tell you, there'd be passion for prayer. And if there was a fear of God fell upon us, you know something? We wouldn't know what to, how to deal with it. And there would be a burden for souls. And you know, dear friend, this afternoon, let's just get, set the church to the side for a wee moment now. Set the church to the side. Tell me this, what have you lost that you once possessed? Have you lost something? Child of God, look into your own heart this morning, this evening. Look into your own heart as I look into mine. Tell me, what have you lost in your Christian life that you once possessed? Aye. I wonder how many of us could close our eyes and borrow the words of the hymn writer and just cry out, Where is the blessedness I knew? When since first I saw the Lord, where is that soul-refreshing view of Jesus and His Word? Where is it? Child of God, friend, if we're honest, and if we're open before God, where is the blessedness I knew? When since I saw the Lord, where is that soul-refreshing view of Jesus and His Word? What has the church lost that it once possessed? Do you want to know something? I was thinking about this coming up the road. If Willie Mullen came back today, Sammy Workman came back today. Ivan Thompson came back today. I'll tell you, they would see some change. They would see some change. And I remember 2001. The year was 2001. In a conversation with Sam Workman, the late Sam Workman now, he even said back in the year 2001, there's a change. The church is losing out on something. And child of God, there was a day when God really moved. And there was a day when souls saved were saved. And there was a day when there was un- union and vision. And tell me this, this afternoon, do you love the Lord the way you used to love Him? Sometimes I think, you know, we're like the the church of Ephesus. You know, the church of Ephesus, the Lord Jesus had much to commend them for, you know. You know what I think is wrong with the church? Ulster Christianity. And I think that's what's plaguing the church today. Ulster Christianity. You say to me, George, what's Ulster Christianity? What do you mean by that? Well, Ulster Christianity says, as long as you have a Bible under your arm, a face on you like thunder, and and an attitude in you like a corkscrew, and a personality on you like a fridge, well, then you're not walking with God. Nonsense. Do you know what God said? God said, my fear is being taught by the precepts of men. Man-made traditions is what's hindering the work of God today. Man-made traditions. What has the church lost that it once 
possessed. Oh, that's it, Paul. Paul could say to the church at Galatia, and I would simply say, as God could say today's church, where is the blessedness you speak of? And I've heard of more men saying in our wee land, oh, this is happening in our place, and this is happening over there. I'll tell you, there's not much evidence of it. What has the church lost that it once possessed? Did you notice? Did you notice in the parable that here's a woman this morning, this afternoon, that lost something? That's you once possessed, and we're not talking about salvation. You can't lose your salvation if you're truly saved. No, no, this woman lost something that you once possessed. You did indeed. I want to take a wee moment for the, for the first thought. Because you see, here's a woman that possessed ten precious things. They were precious to her. They were dear to her. They were everything to her. And even though they were precious, and even though they were everything, yet, yet you still managed to lose one piece. You see, dear, the joy of the Lord may be everything to you today. It may be precious, you can still lose it. And I want to first of all think about perhaps the distraction that was the cause. You know, this woman didn't lose it on purpose. This woman didn't lose it just in purpose. She didn't intend to lose it. And I'll tell you this this, this afternoon, the church of Jesus Christ didn't intend to lose what she's lost. And you know... I want to think perhaps maybe in this parable this morning, this afternoon, as we come to this home, maybe, maybe it was a knock on the door. Maybe it was a neighbor who called, maybe a child crying. I don't know, I don't know, but, but whatever it was distracted her and caused her to lose this precious, precious peace. You see, you see, brother and sister, it's easy. It's easy to be distracted. And I can tell you now, the devil will use a thousand and one things to draw your mind, to draw your heart, to draw your soul away from that which is precious to you and to God. You know, sometimes he can, you can be distracted, of course, by sin. And sin can be a very attractive. Do you remember David? The man after God's own heart. And yet one day, out of nowhere, he was attracted by a naked woman. And one step after the other brought him down this pathway to sin. And there he was. Now listen, child of God. Don't you criticize any person that has failed because you remember there go for the there go I but for the grace of God. Let him who thinketh 
he standeth, take heed lest he fall. I can't stand believers, and they're supposed to be spiritual believers who criticize those that fall. What does Paul say? If a brother be overtaken in a fault, them that are spiritual. What a pile of boys think they're spiritual when they're tramping them when they're down. We're to restore, not to ridicule such. Put their arm around them and try and win them back again. But you know, friend, it's so easy to be distracted. I'll tell you another, I'll tell you another, uh, another way. You can lose out on the blessing of God through your service too. And Bertie and I know all about this. You can spend your time preaching and spend your time preparing and spend your time doing this and spend your time doing that and lose out on that close communion with God. But you can. You people think, you know, us pastors gets it brave and handy. I'll tell you, far from it. Far from it. You remember in, in, in 2 Kings chapter 6, you remember there the boy was, man, he was cutting down the, the tree, and there he was swinging away, swinging like a gooden. Unnoticed to him, the axe head was about to fly off, and he lost the cutting edge. You know, his service distracted him. And you know, sometimes God God speaks to my heart. God speaks to my soul. And there's times God says, listen, close that book, close that book, switch that laptop off. And maybe me struggling with the message. And there's times God has moved upon my heart, switch all off, close all books. And instead of you waiting on me, talking to you, get on your knees and talk to me and tell me what's on your heart. Oh, you can be distracted. You know David, and then there was the lad, and then there was, then there was Mary and Joseph. Sure, they lost Christ. They lost him. Where did they lose him? They lost him in the last place you thought they would ever have lost him. They lost him in the place of worship. And you remember they were up at Jerusalem this day. And on their way home, supposing him to be in the country. Oh, in the company, supposing, supposing. And he wasn't there at all. And there were a day's journey, a day's journey when they soon discovered that the most precious person that could ever be in their possession, he was lost. The lost Christ. And the lost fellowship with him. Tell me this. Have you lost fellowship with Christ today? And it says, and, and they spent, and they went back and they searched three days. Tell me this. What have you lost that you once possessed? And this woman, this woman, here in this parable, there may have been the distraction, but I'll tell you this, there's the, the, the dilemma that was concerning the dilemma. You know, here's a woman 
who knew she lost it. Do you know something? There's believers today who haven't a clue that they've lost it this morning. And although this woman had nine other pieces, even though there was nine other precious uh, uh, pieces here, but yet, yet, friend, yet the, the cry goes up, where has the one that is lost gone to? Where has it gone? You know, this missing piece didn't disappear like a magician's coin. This didn't vanish into midair this morning, uh, today. You know something about this missing piece? It was still there. It was still within reach, but it was out of sight. Out of sight. But one thing I notice when I look into this parable, she wanted, she wanted desperately to get it back again. Tell me this. Do you fear God? There was a day in this wee land of ours. And I'm going to be honest. There was more fear of God among the ungodly than there is among some of the godly today. I had an Uncle James. And he went to the match dispatch congregation. That's a strange one. And I call the match dispatch congregation the only time you ever got him in church when he was at weddings and funerals. Never went to church. But even away back then, I can still remember him. I'll tell you. He used to have ten cows. That's when farmers worked back in them days. Don't just work as hard now. But that's when he had ten cows. And every Lord's Day, when he went out to milk, the tie had to be worn. It was the Lord's Day. It was Sunday. I'll tell you, the tractor wouldn't have been started. And even in those days in autumn time when the leaves had been blowing into the, into the scullery, the brush wouldn't have been lifted. And remember him, a man that never went near church. I remember him saying time and time again, I'll tell you, he used to say, no good will come to that boy for that boy driving the truck. Just driving the tractor down the road. You see, there was something back then that's not here today. It's the fear of God. And here this woman, take a good look at her. You know what you learn about her? She was concerned. Tell me this. Brethren and sisters, today, are you concerned? Are you concerned? I was talking to, when I worked in plum rates of plays and circular employment, one of the travellers came in. I'm not going to tell you what denomination this was. It wasn't Baptist anyway. And I says, tell me this. I says, well, how's things in your church at the minute? He says, our place. Our place is dead. He says, what do you mean it's dead? He says, everyone's dead about it. He says, what do you mean everyone's dead about it? Ach, he says, it's a day's work to go to it. He says, well, what do you mean? What do you mean? He says, well, the singing's dead. The organist's dead. The choir's dead. The preaching's dead. Even the church mouse is almost dead. 
And she says, the only sign of life in our church is the graveyard round the back for it's getting new arrivals every other week. Dead. Why is it dead? You know, W.P. Nicholson was right. W.P. Nicholson said some harsh things, you know. He says, if you're calling a minister, there's three types you can call. He says, if you call a corpse, your church will become like a graveyard. Is that right? You can get rid of that, David. Or, if you call a clown, your church will become like a circus. But, if you call a spirit-fired-up, filled man, he says, your church will become a blaze for God. Isn't he true? He was right. Friend, where is the blessedness? Listen, listen. We don't need graduates in our pulpits today. We need spirit-filled men, anointed by the Holy Ghost. We do. That's what we need. And you know, you remember Gideon. The angel appears to Gideon and says, The Lord be with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And, and you remember what Gideon said? <laughs> oh, now, oh, now talk sense because if the Lord be with us, where then is all this evil befallen us? And where be all the miracles which our Father told of us? And Gideon's complaint was our complaint. Ah, if the Lord be with us, where be all the miracles? And if he's talking today's language, if the Lord is blessing, if the Lord be with us, why are we not seeing the blessings that we saw in the days of all these great men in the days of yore? But you know, friend, the answer was in the very first verse of that same chapter. It says this, it says this, and the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. Do you know why we're seeing no blessing? Do you know why we've lost because we have allowed sin and apathy and all these things to come between us and God. That's what it is. The dilemma that was concerning. And then I want you to notice the determination that was crucial because we hear either what woman having ten pieces of silver, if you lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. You know she's determined. Do you know what's wrong with the church today? The church is not determined. It's not hungry enough to get back what we once possessed. And you know what one thing she didn't do? She didn't bury her head in the sand. Ah, well, well, sure I have nine. I should be content. I should be happy. Oh, no. Oh, no. She wanted it. And I'll tell you why she wanted it. Because she was desperate. Desperate. Lord, we need to pray today. Listen. Lord, put the plan out of us and give us a determination and a desperate spirit to find the blessing of God. That's what we need to be praying. Yes. And the first thing she does, she lights the candle. Oh, I she gets light onto the subject. How do you get back what you've lost spiritually? You get back, you get back to the Word of God. You know why? The entrance of thy Word, it giveth light. And the first thing she does, she lights the candle. She gets light. And the light dispels the darkness. And the light exposes the dirt. You know what my mother always says? My mother says, 
You know my wee house? It's shining when the lights are off. When you put the lights on, it's filthy. But you know what the light does? Light expels the dirt. Wait till I tell you. See, when you get into the Word of God, the Word of God begins to expose what's really in our hearts. And then the second thing she does, she says here, it says here, and she does sweep the house and seek diligently till she finds it. You know, in the old eastern houses in these days, you know, it wasn't marble tiles back then, but it was like old pieces of mud. What she had to do in order to sweep this house was to get onto her knees and start lifting every mat and removing every mat and taking away anything, anything that was between her and that piece. Tell me this, child of God. If you've lost your joy, if you've lost the power, if you have lost the blessing, here's the challenge. What is it that has come between you and God? We all talk about revival. We need revival. The church needs revival. Well, I tell you, I'm going to take one step before it. You know what the church needs first? Repentance. Repentance. How can we expect revival? When we have allowed things to come between us and God. Ah, yes. And you know, friend, tell me, what is it? What is it? Is there anybody here today and you have a grudge against another believer? Because I can tell you now, there's more fighting and arguing going on in churches than there is in Stormont. Well, not today because there is no Stormont. You know, I was preaching in a church one Sunday. And, uh, and I was a wee bit far away for me to travel back home. Normally, if I'm within bowshot, I head back home again. And they come back. And I had the hospitality with this, with this couple. And, and they said to me, tell me this, George, did you, did you notice anything strange about our place this morning? And you know, being a policeman's son, you never answer a question. You always answer a question with another question. And I said, why, why, what do you mean? What do you mean? I says, terrible things going on. He says, what do you mean? Our church is full of cliques. And I acted stupid. It's not hard for me to act stupid. He says, cliques? He says, why, there's a lot of people got bad knees in your church. And this is what he said. He says, you see the row on your right? There's two aisles in this church. I do. Well, that row doesn't talk to the row on this side. He says, I wear that. And he says, do you see the row in your middle? I says, I do. It doesn't talk to either side. <laughs> Hope there's nobody with bad knees in the leaf boat. And then... The same people are saying, what's wrong? Nothing's happening. No wonder the church has lost what it once possessed. And I want you to notice also when she sweeps, then there's disturbance. 
She disturbs the room in order to find it. And I believe Christians need to be disturbed today. I hear a lot of people talking about slam the gays and slam the lesbians. But don't slam me with my hypocrisy. Because the old cancer in today's church is hypocrisy. I was doing a mission once, way up the country. And there was a man who was an elder in this church. And uh, the boys were going around the roads giving out invitations. And they came to this young man in a tractor, a fellow maybe in his 30s, they said, and they've been praying for him for years. Praying for years for him. Hard as the road. And one of the men stopped the tractor as they were going up the lane. And he says, what can I do for you? He says, listen, we're having a mission in the church. Will you come? I says, I don't know. And he says, why, why do you not know? He says, you know, your father every Tuesday night in our church cries for your soul, he weeps. And the young lad looked down in the tractor. Huh, he says, don't let my dad's tears fool you. He says, there's not a week goes by that he doesn't have my mother in tears at home. And he says, if you, if you want me to be honest with you, it's because of my dad's behavior at home. That's why I don't want nothing to do with God. Hope you're not like that. I'm in the book of Judges at the minute in my own Bible class. The other week I preached in chapter 2 with a wee text. I just took the wee text. That there was a generation that knew not the Lord. That's what the text says. That there was a generation that knew not the Lord. And I just put the challenge to our people. He says, tell me this, tell me this. Whose fault Whose fault? Where did the fault lay concerning this generation? Did it, did, it, did, it, did it fault with the generation coming on? He says, no, it didn't. It followed. The fault lay with the generation that was gone. I'm glad our brother David, I thought David was looking at my notes earlier on. He was coming out with things that I was going to say. I say, Mama, Daddy, wait till I tell you. See, when you pass away, where will your children be? I'll tell you where they'll be. They'll be where you have led them. They'll be where you have led them. And after our Bible class, I don't know why you have it here, we have our prayer meeting after the Bible class. And a young father started the prayer meeting. And that lad broke down in floods of tears. He says, Lord, forgive me for not being the father that I should be. I'll tell you, it was the best prayer meeting we ever had. And wait till I tell you, there's children today who are nowhere with the Lord because their parents didn't live the life at home. And it's not maybe all the case, but listen, a majority of the cases, if you sit down with the children, they'll tell you what way the father behaved at home. 
And you know, brethren and sister, this, morning, this afternoon, we'll need to be troubled about the sin in our lives. And we need to be desperate enough to admit, Lord, I'm not what I should be, but I'm going to repent, and I'm going to turn away, and I'm going to get desperate for the things of God. Yes. Blessing will never come if sin is there. This woman gets down and she begins to search. But here's the lovely bit to end with. Here's the lovely bit. Here's the lovely picture. She found what you lost. She found it. She was able to receive again what you lost. You know the good news of this convention is the church can get back what you once lost if you would only repent and turn back to God. And there is the delight that was crowning. This woman now possesses again that peace that once was lost. Let's take heart today. Let's really take it heart today. We can find the church. Listen, may it be 2020 that the, that the church of Jesus Christ will once again possess what she has lost. Yes, friend. Today, as we're here, you have been challenged already concerning your walk with God. Listen, it's not a Sunday morning walk, it's a 24-7 walk. Do you know what we need? I'm finished. Do you know what we need? Do you know what the church needs today? Do you know what all believers need today? In spite of denomination. We all need the fear of God to fall upon us again. That's what we need. And we need repentance before we see anything. But we need to be desperate for it. What has the church lost that she once possessed? God bless you.